at first I was always a little shy about my cannabis consumption, but now it's so funny. You go up to, you know, the playground and you've got women being like, you got a gummy for me? I'm having trouble sleeping at night. And I'm just like, I got you. Welcome to Seriously Catherine, a podcast about taking your business seriously, but not yourself. On today's episode, we have Christina Lopez Aducci. She is an entrepreneur, speaker, art collector, and curator. She is the founder and CEO of House of Puff, a New York-based cannabis lifestyle brand. Christina initially created the company to offer cannabis products that resonated with her personal preferences. Over time, she has transformed the brand, harnessing the power of art to drive social change. I'm so excited about this episode. We talked a lot about the stigma of women consuming cannabis, especially parents. We also talked about scaling a brick-and-mortar business and fundraising. Ooh, and Christina told me all about crossfading. So tune in to this episode of Seriously Catherine. All right, everybody. This week's Facepalm Mom moment is... Today is Friday, it's uh, no school for all the kids for Veterans Day, and the moment was yesterday at around 1.30 p.m. when I realized that I have a full morning of meetings and no childcare. So, I mean, just in addition to this, like, let's just, I have to just comment that the kids don't even, they basically don't go to school the whole month of November. Between superintendent day, parent-teacher conference days, half days for early dismissal, for uh, practicing dismissing kids early, for, you know, it's just, and then you get a whole week off for Thanksgiving. So, like, the kids basically do not go to school the month of November, right? But it totally just snuck up on me that I didn't have any childcare, no support, no help on the home front, and I had packed in my morning with meetings. So luckily, I have an amazing village, and my mom friend, Jess, came in for the win and shared the day with me. So this morning, she watched all three girls with her kids, and now I am on my way to pick them up, and I told them that it's gonna be a yes day, an entire yes day afternoon, so whatever they, dream up wanting to do I'm gonna go do with them can't say no it's gonna be fun I'll have no regrets about it whatsoever and um, I also shared the day on Tuesday with another mom friend because you know it takes a village and in my case I say it takes a vineyard okay so if you know me you know that I love what I do and I'm a workaholic so if I ever have a chance to get away I can't go too far away without my kids and without being so far away from work. The Adelphi is my go-to. What's really great about the Adelphi is that it has everything you need. It's right there on Broadway. It has a restaurant. It's got the breakfast joint. It's got it all. And the room service is amazing. So last Christmas, we did Christmas Day night at the Adelphi. We booked the Polaris suite, which is really special because it has a hot tub on the balcony. And the kids loved it. It was so much fun. We ordered room service. And it was just like the most special thing. And again, it's got a jacuzzi. I mean, who doesn't want to use a jacuzzi at the Adelphi. If you don't have the opportunity to stay at the Adelphi, you can still go and hang out in their in their lobby or eat at their restaurants. The best sushi in town, 
by far, I believe, is at the Adelphi. You should get the rainbow roll. You can thank me later. It's delicious. It's absolutely the bomb. If you are local and you need a night off or a night away, don't go too far. Go right there to the Adelphi. Book yourself a room, have dinner there, have breakfast in the morning, and you'll feel like a totally different person when you wake up. I am so happy to have you, Christina, here on the Seriously Catherine podcast. Pressure's on. Um, Okay, so I met you through Jana, and she had introduced me to you because you're raising money through an SPV. And just for anyone listening, watching, who doesn't know what that is, it's called a special purpose vehicle. So for founders to raise money for their companies and have a cleaner cap table. So it's smaller checks. Um, People write... You know, anywhere from like twenty five hundred to ten thousand dollar checks. Obviously, yes. you could take a larger check. But I mean, I welcome that all of the time. But yeah. yes, but this it. way for the founder, there's like one grouping on the cap table of these smaller angels, and it's it's fun because it allows for, for example, for me to learn so much from the founder because I am mm-hmm. a founder also. But also, it's great opportunity to connect with other like minded people who are picking up what you're putting down. Exactly. And it keeps the cap table nice and clean, which every investor like loves to see. And to your point, it's like a little micro community, which is just, you know, especially in the industry that I'm in, you know, I need all of the peeps. I feel like this is the other thing that I love about SPVs is that I feel like I have my hand in your success. And I really yes. didn't do much of anything aside from like, you know, hang it out. <laughs> no, first of all, you're not giving yourself enough credit. You've done a lot. You've given me our awesome project manager, Cassie, right. Shipology. You have done so much for House of Puff beyond supporting us monetarily. I adore you. And I think what you do specifically for women and connecting us all together is, is something that I admire and wish I did more of. Oh my God, stop. I mean, Cassie was a member of Palette, right? So she was in the art world. And I remember thinking like, wow, this is like a perfect connection. And, you know, this is the thing about connecting people. Like hard intros are so valuable. Because I connected her with you, you, out of respect for me, you hold that meeting, you give her a shot and vice versa. She shows up as her best self because out of respect for me, she's going to like put her best foot forward. And I'm so thrilled that that's worked out. You know, you never really know how it's going to go. But I think that the, the values of palette is to be respectful, trusting, vulnerable, honest, and authentic. And I think that that really shines through when we're making these like intros. So tell us a little more about House of Puff. I'm a raving fan. (laughs) I adore you for that. (laughs) So yeah, so House of Puff is a woman-owned, Latina-led, I'm Puerto Rican, uh, company. We're based in New York City. And um, we destigmatize cannabis consumption by women with uh, content and sophisticated products. So uh, working with uh, artists, I had an art magazine for about 10 years. Um, essentially, we, you know, we pioneer exquisite design driven cannabis products paired with viral content. 
that, you know, hopefully and, and will transform cannabis into a symbol of sophistication and inclusivity, as opposed to what we typically see as the stoner bro masculine uh, stereotype. So that's House of Puff in a nutshell. Yeah. So the future for House of Puff is eventually you're going to be able to walk into a retail store. You know, the, the rollout in New York and, you know, I know as, as a New York resident, you, you see what's going on with the proliferation of a lot of these unlicensed dispensaries. Um, so right now we're just putting our head down and focusing on selling our products in these stores, um, you know, maybe working on a few store concepts, but not having a brick and mortar just yet. A lot of the investors that we were speaking to, they saw the rollout of New York and how it was going down and um, all of these unlicensed dispensaries. And it just right now doesn't make financial sense, but you know, never say never. So we're just going to keep doing what we do best, building our brand, producing great content, coming out with beautiful products, and hopefully launching our own flower product or THC product, I should say, by the end of the year. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I feel like, well, I mean, I'm in the brick and mortar business, so I have, yeah. you know, paint and sip is brick and mortar, pallets, brick and mortar. And it's a tough, it's a tough lift. I mean, it's a big lift and there's so much saturation right now. And like, I just think it's, it's kind of bonkers how everything is gone and what you yeah. do best, I believe. And the easiest way for people to spend money and buy your products is to go to your website. It's a beautiful website. The products are awesome. Thank you. you use a pretty amazing sh- you know, facilitator as far as shipping fulfillment center, <laughs> which is another, um, and things are going well, right? With them, they are killing it. Killing it. Um, I love working with other female founded companies and, you know, it's hard for, you know, we're not Amazon, right? So finding fulfillment, uh, good fulfillment is hard to come by and so happy they're based in New York and makes things a lot easier. And I'm, you know, so pumped that we're a partner of theirs. Yeah. So, so Shipology, the owners of Shipology are members of Palette. And that was another connection we made um, to sort of yeah. support you as far as like getting somebody local that would be able to to deliver, literally deliver your products literally to your customers. <laughs> and, you know, my favorite part of Shipology, I don't know if this is incorporated in House of Puffs, like ordering or anything, but they handwrite notes to your customers yes, if they needed. do. Yes. yes. And so they have fun. great handwriting. My penmanship is terrible. I am the same. I was actually talking to someone the other day about like, I could never work for Shipology because they, they you have to write out a card for every yeah. shipment and I, I would, I would botch it. If I wrote out a card, somebody would get it and be like, what does this even say? So tell us a little more, like bring us up to speed as far as like how you got House of Puff started. What, you know, brought you that, like, I know you came from the art world, but what made you want to open up your own business and, and compete in this market? Yeah. So I grew up, um, in a, in a strict Puerto Rican household. So I wasn't really around cannabis at all. Um, I grew up sort of afraid of it, if you will. Um, and so I, you know, went to college, I went to grad school and still not consuming. And it wasn't until, you know, I lived in New York, started launching my art magazine, did some work at the Michael J. Fox Foundation for Parkinson's Research, started hearing about like the therapeutic benefits of cannabis. And I was like, wait, hold up. I'm like, it's a medicine. Like people use this for, you know, Parkinson's patients use it for dyskinesia, for example, you know, cancer patients, glaucoma. And for me, it was really about just anxiety and sleep. 
And so my mom, who's a physician, I asked her, I said, what's the deal with this cannabis thing? Like, should I give it a whirl and sort of stop taking, you know, the Z quills and all that crap? And she's like, sure, why not? So when I went to go do that, a lot of the products on the market clearly were not made with me in mind. You know, they were phallic, black and blue, just ma- very masculine, confusing products. And I thought, huh. I have all these artists I work with. I'm sort of like, you know, a she, she self-proclaimed. I like nice things. I will admit that. And I wanted things I could leave out of my coffee table. I wanted things that were not confusing. And I wanted to, you know, be able to go on YouTube or Instagram and see people like me, women like me, women of color who were consuming cannabis in sort of an elevated way. And so I just reached out to every artist that, you know, a glass blower, a ceramicist, a candle maker. And I was like, I have an idea. Let's make cannabis consumption chic, easy, and welcoming. And then I realized I was onto something, sold the art magazine, brought on a a partner, a co-founder, Holly Hager, as my COO. And 2020, of course, you know, was a time that we all remember. And we started selling and it started picking up the pandemic hit and we were like, okay, crap. Like all these dispensaries that were carrying us are closing. Nobody was shopping IRL anymore. Our D to C was fine, but we needed more volume. And so we both had magazines. So we dove headfirst into content marketing, which was the best thing that we could do. Cause again, there wasn't a lot of fresh content geared towards sort of the mainstream can of curious consumer And then the rest is history. I think, you know, we looked at our numbers yesterday. We're at a digital reach of 15 million. Our How to Roll a Joint video is one of the most watched videos on YouTube. Because again, I have a pretty manicure. I have, you know, I like my rings. I don't want to see some grubby guy in his mom's basement teaching me how to roll a joint. That's not how we destigmatize this beautiful plant. And so we just pair the content with beautiful products. And it's been a fun ride for sure. It resonates so much with me when it comes to like growing up. It was like, you know, say no to drugs and don't touch it. And any example that we had of anybody, you know, consuming was a pothead, you know, or a deadbeat or, you know, like covered in tattoos and just like that, that whole like head shop thing. We all know the stigma of like the pothead. And I just remember growing up being like, don't ever hang out with anybody who smokes pot. Don't ever, you know, um, bring anybody like that home. And if I ever find out that you are smoking pot, you're you're out. So to be able to sort of like bring it into the future. And I have to tell this story recently. I um, was home and my dad has like all of these THC cannabis products, like, <laughs> like, um, like muscle bombs and lotions and stuff. Him. And I'm like, dad, what is this? And he's like, well, you know, it, it works, you know, like when you, he's like, when you're an old man and you're in pain, you'll try anything. There you go. It's, it's cool to see how the world is changing. And I just, I love all the content that you're putting out because yeah, it's, it's, I see myself in all that and you don't want yeah. to have that stigma. The other part of it too, that really attracted me to House of Puff is, you know, just like the, the accessibility of it, right? Like mm-hmm. it's, it is such a welcoming, um, you know, you can literally dip your toe in and then fall, right. <laughs> fall into the deep end when it comes to like, <laughs> consuming the content, but then also buying the products. And, you know, I love that. So explain kind of like some of the products so people will understand how it, it is like a multi-use. Like for me, I'm not more, I don't smoke as much as I do 
gummies or mints or stuff like that. So kind of explain some of the products and how they have like this multiple use and you can like leave a lot of this stuff out out, and no one thinks anything yeah, of it. Yeah, for sure. So we do everything from elegant ceramics, paper goods, glassware. So when I say ceramics, I mean our beautiful, our hero product, which is our one hitter. All I wanted was just a cute little, you know, pipe that I could fit in my handbag or in my back pocket. Again, created uh, by an artist, a a woman up in Massachusetts. Um, Everything that we do is not only stylish, but proprietary, which is important to us. So you can't find our products anywhere else. We create them all in-house. And of course, incorporating women and, 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 and BIPOC artists, which is very important to us. So of course, the, the the usual suspects, rolling papers, of course, our pipes, rolling trays, um, a cute little barrel bowl, and to your again, point about two birds, one seed, which we love. So my mom uses it for salt and pepper or olive oil, or if I'm having a dinner party, you know, I'll put olives in there or toothpicks. Um, we have a tamper stick that's a beautiful borosilica glass that you can tamp down when you're packing your joint, or you can use it as a cocktail stirrer. And our joint holders are probably one of our best sellers because as you can tell, I have a... <clears throat> a tickle in my throat. And typically when I smoke, when I smoke a joint or pre-roll, I get like a little coffee and like, ew, that nobody wants to be around that. So our joint holder is also made from borosilica glass. So it cools the smoke down so you don't cough as much. So we've got, I think about 60 SKUs and we just came out with a little baby. It looks like a macaroon. My mom thought it was a macaroon, uh, but it's actually a, a, a hemp wick holder um, because I don't know if you know, when you go to light or a match or a lighter, you're inhaling that butane and that crap from matches, which is obviously not good for us. So what we came up with is we wrap hemp wick, organic hemp wick, made down in Florida by a Latina-owned company, and you light the hemp first. So if you don't consume, you can light a candle, um, and then you hold it up to whatever you're consuming, a joint, and you get more of an even burn and obviously the less chemicals in, in your in your body. So we also like to stay health conscious at House Above, so had to had to throw that in there. Didn't you have a um an article that you, that went viral? It was like, I'm, correct me if I'm wrong, but you wrote some sort of blog post about being a mom in the car line. I, don't. I actually, I know you have because I forwarded this to like a ton of my mom friends because in this article you talked all about how you know you're a mom, right? Yeah. And you also smoke pot, and it's like. These things, they benefit the other, right? So like because you smoke or because you use, you're a better mom. Women have the stigma. I'm a mom, I'm Latina, I'm a woman. So it's like a triple whammy. And at first I was always a little shy about my cannabis consumption. But now it's so funny. You go up to, you know, the playground and you've got women being like, you got a gummy for me? I'm having trouble sleeping at night. And I'm just like, I got you. And of course... I like to unwind at the end of the day. I can't really consume during the day. I know people can. I just, it just makes me too loopy. But so for me, it's sort of an end of the day. Like instead of a glass of wine, I'll have like a little puff. I love having a puff in the shower, especially if like the kids are downstairs and they're, they're taken care of. And I just sit there and I just have my best ideas when I'm a little high in the shower. I actually have a notepad that I keep in the shower to write down my high ideas. And then I come out and I'm refreshed and I'm ready to make dinner and I'm ready, you know. So, yeah, I would say it definitely 
after a long day when, you know, the kids come home from school and you're like, oh, you know, it definitely sort of mellows me out, which is a good thing for me and a good thing for them. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like I might need to start doing, (laughs) popping something right when I wake up because it's the morning is like mayhem for me. Even like this morning, it's like, so I have three daughters. You you have two, right? Yeah, twin girls. And they're how old? They just turned five. They just turned five. Okay. So I have three daughters, nine, five, and four. And my nine-year-old is an angel, like such a sweetheart. And yeah. she, she like just goes with the flow. She's super responsible, responsive. So like when I tell her it's time to get dressed, she like jumps to it. But the other two are, they're psychopaths. They're <laughs> absolute psychos. And it's like, if I'm like, okay, guys, time to get ready. They're like, they basically give me the finger. And yeah. I just, Mm -hmm. I like start to go nuts. And so I feel like I maybe need, I need to take something in the morning. Mornings (laughs) are tough, especially with toddlers, getting them ready. Who wants to wear what, who doesn't, who hasn't, you know. And then of course, as you're getting out the door, something always, something always happens. Yeah. I mean, this morning it was like Ruby, my middle, she's my five-year-old. She, Uh she just got a bunch of outfits from Amazon that my mom sent her. And, um, cause she's in kindergarten. So she's like really focused on like what she's going to wear and how she's going to feel, which is awesome. I want her to feel confident. But what she picked out was not what she wanted to wear this morning. And she, you know, I'm just like, this is not the time to be doing this. Like we literally don't have time. So this is like a loaded story, but like, they they take the bus. So the two older ones take the bus. They walk a block away, uh-huh. get on the bus, and off they go. And then I leave like 10 minutes after they do with the little one. And uh-huh. so I don't know if you saw the news, but there was a child that went missing. She went missing like 15 miles away from our house. Wow. And she was found about a mile away. Wow. So kids went to school on Monday. She came, Posey and Ruby both came home talking about it. Like these kids are talking about like wow. this girl's missing. So she wasn't, she was found on Monday night, but it's like, it has shaken everyone. And ev- like, yeah. I mean, and even my mom from New Orleans called me cause she had, she saw it on the news. So it made national news. Anyway, Posey is like a nervous wreck to walk down the, the street now. And I'm like, wow. I get that you're a little nervous, but it's kind of like the odds of this happening again in our town are slim to none. So you just, I'm, so it's, I'm kind of like struggling with like, maybe I need to start bringing them to school, maybe a couple of days, bring them to school until like yeah, things shake Yeah, just to out. make her feel like a little bit settled. I mean, it's unsettling. I mean, I'm so happy she was found, but it's scary. I mean, it's scary for us as adults and sad to hear that. Imagine like a child, like how they process it. I, I can I can only imagine. Yeah, I mean, and this is like we've been to this the park where she was taken. We were we've been there. We've been on Loop wow. A. Like it is like such a short little loop that like no one would have like because I think the first thing that people thought when they read about this was like, well, how, why would you le- let your daughter, you know, right. r- ride her bike by herself in a state park? But this this like little loop is so small, so short. It's like no one in my circle or anybody I know that knows of this location would have taken a second guess to like send their kid for one last ride. So it's just like, we're so grateful she, she was found and she's yeah. safe and, you know, it's a local family. So they, like, they grew up here. The the parents grew up here. Like, so it's like, it's really hitting home. I mean, literally hitting home. Um, literally. And I'm trying to just like be 
like for for my for Posey especially because she's like the more nervy one. She's like not nervy, right. but like a little more anxious and you know careful. And I and she's also the same age as this little girl that went missing. So it's all nice. just like impacting her, and she's yeah. just like kind of afraid to leave the that, house by herself. That you're a part of, I, I think, is just so tight knit, and no one would ever think that like something like this would happen. But where did you grow up in this in the city or? No, I grew up in New Jersey. Where I grew up, it was like, be outside when you get home from school. Don't be in the house until the sun, the streetlights come on, then you can come in and it's in time. Like we were like, we were just like wild animals. 100%. Manhunt, bike riding. I mean, we would go all, go into 7-Eleven after school. I mean, I'd walk home. Now it's like we live in a different age. I don't I don't know that I would let my girls walk to school at at at, at this point. I just think it's I don't know. Shit got scarier. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it did. Well, and we're also just more aware, right? Like things that right. Like, for this example, like, the whole world knew that this girl was missing. So that wouldn't have happened. You know, you didn't hear about missing kids. You, you know, honestly, the only time we ever heard about missing kids was, like, on Unsolved Mysteries. And it was, like, right. something we, like, watched yes. late at night. And it was, like, did, it was like it didn't happen here. You know, it was, like, that was in right. some other town. Um, right. So, it could never happen to us is right. sort of, like, the mentality back in the day. Yeah. I mean, but full circle, this is why we all need to be using cannabis. <laughs> Like we just, everybody, if everybody just like turned to cannabis and not alcohol, we'd all just be much chiller and calmer and nicer. Growing up, it was such a stigma, you know? So it was like, and we're from New Orleans. So it's like, it's okay to drink and be completely hammered and make poor choices, but right. like, don't smoke, don't smoke a joint. So it's just so stupid because it's like the, I mean, the statistics, the, the data's out, right? Like it's a safer, it's a, it's a safer habit to have. Right. Nobody's ever died from an from overdosing on, on cannabis. I love my alcohol. I love my glass of wine. I love a good cocktail. I love crossfading. So that's when you like consume cannabis and drink at the same time. I, I love doing those things. But the science shows that drinking's just not good for us. Yeah. Full stop. It's poison. Yeah. We're poisoning ourselves. Ver- versus medicine. <laughs> Welcome to the war on drugs. You know, <laughs> this all started, you know. Yeah decades ago. And, you know, hopefully it's not if it's when, and you know, that's why House of Puff is around to, to change the narrative and educate people. So tell me more about this crossfading, because again, this is like a, maybe a, you have to demystify that for me, because I feel like I was yeah. always, I'm very, like, I'm uncomfortable doing that because I think anytime I've, I've done it, it's been a disaster. So there must be like a, an easing into it or some sort of approach you can share with us. Oh, of course. So we did a blog post. We have a, a blog called The Drawing Room, and we lay out basically, and at home at House to Puff, our YouTube channel, where we lay out sort of different techniques for crossfading. So the most common one is like puffing on a, a, a joint and then having whatever you're going to drink, right? So let's say you go out and you don't want to have three cocktails. You just want to have one, right? So for me, I'll take a few puffs. Like if I'm going out to dinner with girlfriends, I'll take a puff or two, have a drink, that's great. Um, the second way to do it is to actually buy tinctures that go in soda water or can go into, you know, your vodka soda. So you'll put like a little tincture in your vodka soda. You can dose it, right? So it's easier to dose like two, three, 
you know, five milligrams, like at the most I would suggest. So that's another way to cross fade. Also like a gummy, pop a gummy, a, you know, a, a, you know, I'm good with 2.5 MGs cause I'm a lightweight. So I'll take half a bite of a five milligram gummy and then, you know, have a, have a drink or two wherever I am. But I, when I do crossfade, it's usually just a puff or two and then I'll continue uh, drinking. So those are sort of three easy techniques. I would suggest if you're a beginner, you know, just take a puff because you know if, or, you know, if you know your dose, like if you're like, I love a good five milligram gummy, but you want to have two cocktails and maybe like take half of the gummy, wait an hour, have your two cocktails and see how you feel. Yeah. Okay, cool. That's awesome. I'm going to try it. I'll report back. How yeah, report back. I like love the research. <laughs> okay, so what's uh, you kind of did tell us what's next for House Puff, but like you're like underway with holiday, right? Like that's got to be the next push for you, right? Some oh, some House yeah. of Puff Black gift Friday, packages. We we're doing the biggest sale we've ever done on Black Friday, so that's super exciting. Coming out with more products, of course. Continuing with our our YouTube channel and blog. We all, as I mentioned, we are going to come out with our own THC product, which surprise, you'll stay tuned. You'll be, the, you'll be one of the first to know, Catherine, so don't worry. So that's really exciting for us as a company. We've been ancillary, we've been accessories for since we started. So to touch the plant and bring a product to our community that they've been begging for is really, really exciting. So that's sort of what's happening Q4 2023. Okay. So do you think that will impact your fundraising efforts? Like, have you found that some people invested because it was ancillary and it wasn't, you know, flower touching and like that might impact that? Or do you give a shit? I I think it could. I hope it doesn't. I think people the investors we currently have are excited about what we're doing. I do think there will be some investors that will say, you know what, you're touching the plant. Um, but I think that on the back end, there are ways to sort of separate it out. Um, we might just, you know, pull up, do another LLC and keep the flower product in there. Oh, okay. And That's a good strategy. really want to just stay in accessories, can stay in accessories, not plant touching until whether safer banking or federal legalization or some small win down in DC to make people feel more at ease. Um, but I, I, for the most part, I think investors are quite excited about this. I'm excited about it. Yeah, I'm so excited. It's going <laughs> to so, be good. So um, tell us more about why you chose to do fundraising. Why not just sell the products and let the revenue speak for itself? Kind of like anybody that may be contemplating going the fundraising route or startups or just like some similar advice on how you came about fundraising. Yeah. First and foremost, you have to remember... For me, it wasn't just about the money. It was also about building a community of investors and advisors that believed what I was doing. All of our investors, I tap. Obviously, I love their checks. Thank you very much. But I also love their brain and their strategy and like what they can bring to the table in terms of that, because that for me makes my business stronger. So I realized that I wanted more people around me who were smarter, who have been in the space, who could sort of direct us how to, to run the business efficiently. Of course, you know, cash is king and, and we and we needed the money to scale. I would say bootstrap for as long as you possibly 
can. I cannot stress that enough. Do not take investor money. It's not all the glitz and glam that people make it out to be, especially in this day and age. Capital markets are super dry right now. So I, my advice is bootstrap. And that's what we did. We bootstrapped for as long as we could. You know, we didn't take, till this day, I haven't even taken a salary. Like I just keep reinvesting back in the business, bootstrap as long as you can. And then when you reach a point where you're, you say to yourself, okay, I need to scale up. MVPs work, people want more of it. Then friends and family doing an SPV was a really uh, great experience for us. And then, you know, if you want to go play with the, the big dogs and VCs and PE, be careful. There's a lot of dirty deals out there. You're going to give up a lot of equity in your company. So be prepared to do that as well. If that's a route that you want to do, we haven't we did do that route, but it didn't work out. And now we're peeling back and going back to back to our community. I think there's like a misconception about SPVs like out there that that I've heard from too. And it's like the SPV is just like a sliver of what you're raising. It's not the whole thing, right? So you do always have somebody that's t- leading the round that you can sort yeah. of piggyback of, off of their due diligence. Yeah, SPV, it's not a bad rep. I think that's too strong of a, a word. I think people are sometimes weary of SPVs, maybe because they don't know what they are. They you know, maybe look complicated from afar, but it was one of the best things that we ever did as a company. Again, building that community. Um, I And I think smaller checks are, are, are great because you get more people involved, especially, you know, a lot of my friends don't have 10K to throw, but they may have... 2500 and instead of buying that handbag they're investing in their friend's business. So I think there's something really beautiful about that. Yeah, I mean I I could not speak more highly about my experience with participating in in the SPV for House of Puff. I met so many people. I met you. I was able to connect you with with I was able to bring other people in that I thought would be interested. And I've just learned so much. I mean, you are just so on top of it, honestly. And that's not that's not everybody that I've I've come into contact with. You know, I think I I really pride myself on being response like responsive. Like when someone emails me, I email them back, even if I'm not interested in what they're wanting or needing from me. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's like the Southern hospitality in me, but it's like, I don't, I don't leave an email unanswered. And I, yeah. it seems like the same for you. I, I think communicating is, is the name of the game, clear communication, frequent communication, especially with people. You're now a steward of somebody else's capital. So they want to hear from you. They want updates. They believe in you. They wouldn't have given you money if they didn't believe in you. So I think it's, when founders don't regularly communicate, like even with even when it's the tables are turned, if an investor is not communicating with me, then that's also not a good fit. And also a little bit of a red flag, you know, after so many emails or so many times I, I like I over communicate. So for me, I, I that's the name of the game. Yeah. And I love that. I mean, I think too, it's like from, from your perspective, from the founder's perspective, who's investing, if you're not hearing back from an investor, like, oh, they're interested, but they're not taking action. Um, right. It can be so frustrating. Like I would prefer just a flat out no <laughs> off than I would right. a, oh yeah, sure. We're interested on and on and on. It's like either you're in or you're out. Like right. I, got, I, no, I got no time. I mean, I really don't. I really don't. And it's like, I'm not going to be brokenhearted. It's like, you don't want to, you don't want to be, you don't want to come to the party. Don't come to the party. Don't come. You were invited. The door is open, but like, 
see yourself out. <laughs> yes, exactly. So give me like a quick tip or maybe it doesn't have to be quick, but a tip on how you're incorporating this business, your your brand, your responsibilities on the work front and your responsibilities on the home front. Do you have help? Do you have, are you, do you have like, you must have strong boundaries. I, I have very strong boundaries. I have my, my first and foremost, my parents, when they say it takes a village, I, they were not kidding. Like when I was pregnant, like it takes a village, you're going to want us close. Like no truer words have ever been spoken. So I'm super blessed that I have my parents as my support system, you know, grandparents, aunts, uncles, friends. Uh, I do, I have a, a babysitter that comes after school to help with the girls. I couldn't do what I do. I mean, being a founder and being an entrepreneur, we don't have a nine to five. We have a 12 to 12. Like we're constantly working. I'm a road warrior. I'm always on the road. So, but when I'm home and when I, to like on the weekends, like that is my time. Do not pass go. Do not collect a hundred dollars. Like I am out. So yeah, back to the strong boundaries. I do, you know, mess up sometimes and will open up my laptop on a Sunday, but I try really hard, especially on weekends to be in the moment, be with my family, be with my kids. Um, but you know, founder, the founder game is, uh, it's a tough one, especially if you're raising a family. And you know, I have two little ones. They're not they're not grown, right? They can't make themselves sandwiches. I don't know. I would challenge that. If you put the sandwich meat down down enough, like <laughs> close enough to the ground, you know, uh, I'm I'm convinced they can more. make it work. <laughs> There'll be mustard everywhere, but that's fine. I don't know. My kids don't like mustard, so that's not an issue. They like just like deli meat. So it's like at the very <laughs> bottom of the fridge where like, you know, the drawers at the bottom. And um yeah. and like, yeah, I'll, they and they wake up before me. Like I I mean, I'm not a morning person. So th this is really? a trick. I'm realizing that maybe I need to rework my mornings after this conversation because <laughs> maybe there's this is why my kids are psychos in the morning, is because they get up before me. What time do they wake up? So Zia wakes up at 5.30. It's like wow. 5.30 on the dot. She is up and she God is bless. like romping around, getting herself like, you know, cheese sticks for breakfast. I mean, she's just, an, they're so independent. I don't know. Maybe that's because I am working. Um, yeah. So they got to like figure it out, <laughs> figure it out on their own. But, you know, I wanted to also tap on like communication, right? Like you have to communicate what your needs are and what your boundaries are with everyone involved, you know, your partner, your family, your support system, and, and constantly like go back to that and make sure that we're all on the same team and we're all still like, you know, yeah. reaching, trying to reach a same goal. Right. Right. That is hard for me sometimes to ask for what I need. A lot of the times I'm just, I'll, I'll just do it. I'll, I'll take care of it. I can, I can carry the workload. I can, cause I'd rather just do it myself and do it right. But some that, that comes at a cost, right. And burnout is very real. And sometimes I even feel guilty. I was in Chicago last week and I'm in a hotel. I'm, I'm ordering room service. I'm by myself. Everything is quiet. And I call my mom and she's like, it's okay. Take the time to decompress, unwind, go get a massage. Cause I was stuck. Cause it was monsooning in, in New York and my flight got canceled and I got anxious. I was like, what, who's going to watch the kids? What are the kids going to do? Like I'm not home. And she was like, we got it. It's taken care of. And sometimes 
that's all I need most of the time just to be like, okay, all right, every, everything, everything's good, I, I think. So it does take me a beat to really say, hey, uh, I'm tired or a massage <laughs> or what have you. Uh, and I'm working on it. I'm working on asking for what I need. Yeah, you know, and so for me, it's like the opposite. I was just in Miami last week, for, and I was like, I, I mean, this is going to sound fucked up, but I didn't really think about my kids. <laughs> <laughs> I was just so confident that they Everything were taking care, care of. Yeah, and like, and when I get away, it's like I'm away. I'm checked out. As you should be. Good for you. I'll, I'm, I'm going to work. I'm, I might need some tips. So the other thing that I also like just remind myself of is like, you know, you just got to let go because like, so my in-laws yeah. were in town, my husband was home with the kids. So you just have to sort of like, let it go. Like whatever they're going to do, they're going to do their way. And it's not going to be like maybe the way I would have it or what they're eating or any of that stuff. It's just like, I've, I completely check out and have confidence that like my kids will be breathing and alive when I get back. And, and they're a lot. I mean, it's three, yeah. I've three kids they're they're yeah. a lot and they're uh, do you ever feel like that overstimulating like they're just always touching you <laughs> just like, it's a lot and yeah and, and with twins it's like double double uh, you know they're the mini me's too so they're intense yes um well and that's that's ruby ruby is a spitting image of me and i mean if i ever call my mom and complain about ruby she's like yeah karma's a bitch and you got you got what you had coming for you <laughs> I love oh. it. Well, on that high note, we are going to wrap it up because we are we're at, our, at the end of the, our time here. Oh, and we got this we're was busy. So much fun. We got shit to do. Yeah, we got to go work. We got to go back to work. We got to go make that money. Yes. Yes. All right. Well, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this podcast. And if you want to connect with me, slide into my DMs on Instagram. My handle is Katherine Hover.